and welcome to the Nativity Podcast. I am your host, Father Ed Bresnahan, parochial vicar at Nativity Parish in Burke, Virginia. And I'm Mary Castellano, your co-host and social media coordinator. And we are so excited to be joined today, especially for episode three, episode three of season one. We are joined today by Ms. Allison Fram. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And Mrs. Anna Marty. Hello there. And Allison and Anna are uh, work with our baptism community today, and uh, it, it, this will be the first time that we have on our show folks that work with us. So not just like a volunteer in the parish or somebody, uh, somebody else, but actual like other like other staff. We have a mm-hmm. uh, we have a pretty fun staff, and uh, they're do. a lot of they're amazing, right? So so we're excited to bring and showcase them today. And uh, I think um, I don't know, uh, Mary, how have you been doing? I'm in great, Father. How are you? Oh, I can't <laughs> complain. I can't complain. Um, and I can't complain for a lot of reasons. I think one of my favorite things uh, is just that every day is a new kind of opportunity. It's a new opportunity to worship. It's a new opportunity to pray. A new opportunity to right wrongs. It's a new opportunity to do all sorts of uh, all sorts of amazing things. It's like every day that God gives us is a new chance to use the gifts that he's placed at our disposal. So I always just appreciate the fact that every day, even though I'm going to fail miserably and even though it's going to be, you know, imperfect and it's going to be whatever, it's still a chance, right? And so I love just the opportunity to still be able to, to do that. And it just, every day is another opportunity to celebrate how great it is to celebrate our Catholic faith and our, our Catholic heritage. So that's kind of where I was going at today when I was thinking about how, yeah, what's the question I want to lead in with today? And I thought to myself, right, there's so many different like quirky things about the faith. What I love is, is that you've got this amazing solid foundation. You've got 2,000 years of history. You've got scripture, tradition. You've got an unbroken line of popes from Peter himself. Uh, you've got all kinds of just beautiful things in the church that are just so iconic and, and, and things that just when people think Catholic, they think this. But one of the things that I also love about being Catholic is that there's also like little quirks. Things that after 2,000 years, stuff pops up. Right? Something happens. Maybe it's uh, a culture somewhere, a saint somewhere. Something happens in the church that's just a little bit quirky. That it might be a little hard to explain to the outside world, but it's not, it's not something like that's just like weird. It's just maybe like just there's those fun quirks about being Catholic that kind of make us, it gives us that unique flavor. And I'm just wondering, Mary, like, do you have, like, what's like something in the church that's kind of quirky that you just love? Oh man, Father, that's a great question. Um, so I I really enjoy the fact that we have different liturgical seasons. Um, I was thinking about how you know we have different seasons of life. Currently, we're, we're recording this, and it's a beautiful fall day outside. And I just love how the church has different seasons, similar to we go through different kind of phases, stages, waves of life, kind of some ups and some downs. The church acknowledges that. That's a very human thing, a very human experience, and the, ch- and the church knows that very well. So we have ordinary time, we have Lent, we have Advent for renewal and repentance and fasting and just kind of taking a look and reflecting on our lives and like, well, you know, how can we improve? Where are, we, uh, where are our shortcomings? And then there's Easter and Christmas for celebration. So, you know, and something to look forward to. Um, so I really like how we have liturgical seasons. I'm a big fan. Um, I look forward to them. 
I'm really looking forward to Advent and Christmas this year. Um, so I, I really appreciate it. And I actually really also love seeing the different vestments on the priests. So I'm a photographer. And so I just think like certain people's vestments just really make them look really good. So like, Father, you have this really nice color. Um, it's kind of an earthy, like, um, like pine or forest green ordinary time vestment. And it just... It just goes really, really well with your red hair. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from the fact that I'm a part leprechaun, so that's kind of exciting. <laughs> what about you, Father? I think one of my favorite things, and actually I just love what you said about liturgical seasons, because we, like, when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate it, and the flowers come out, and you just know something's changed, mm. right? Uh, like when, when the Alleluia goes away, the Gloria goes away, and everything turns purple, and everything just goes, you just know it's a season of sacrifice. I just mm -hmm. appreciate what you said there. I just think it's good. And also, we're the only place that celebrates Christmas after Jesus's birthday, as opposed to like, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you hear, like, like, like Mary was saying, it's a, you know, very morning, or a very fall day, and the Christmas music is our Already playing in November, mm -hmm. it's insane. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we celebrate Jesus's birthday, starting on Jesus's birthday. Mm -hmm. But uh, but for me, one of the things that I just appreciate it's a it's a tradition in the church that's been going on for thousands for thousands of years as a way of praying through the Psalms and praying through the Scriptures, and also allowing God to govern the time of day. And it's a, a, a series of prayers in the church called the Liturgy of the Hours. And I just love how each hour of the day is dedicated to the Lord. So God can be Lord of time for us. And so we pray five times a day. And all priests, religious brothers and sisters, and so many lay people are required to do it. But the kind of side effect of it is that we pray for the community. So everyone who is praying the Liturgy of the Hours is praying for the church, which means that sometime, every time, all during the day, all around the world, someone is praying for you because mm -hmm. they're praying for the church. And I love how quirky that might be, like, oh, now it's morning prayer, now it's night prayer, now we're doing the Office of Readings. Uh, and it goes with the liturgical seasons, too, which the, the readings change and everything like that. But I just love how it brings us into that, uh, it brings us into that prayer. And also, it's that really comforting thought that knowing that no matter where you are in the world, someone is praying for you. Mm -hmm. And that's a, just a fascinating way to tie us all together. It is beautiful. It reminds us of uh, the universality of the church. I really like what you said, Lord of Time. I would love to use that as a title of one of these podcast Ooh, episodes. Lord of Time. <laughs> I thought you meant in your title here at the church. Lord of Time. Mary, Lord of Time. God, the original oh Time Lord. That's great. So what about you ladies? What do you all think is quirky or kind of fun? Things yeah, about quirks being... Quirks or kind of idiosyncrasies of the church. Mm -hmm. Just something that's yeah. kind of uniquely Catholic, but just kind of mm -hmm. not necessarily something that's kind of your iconic like stuff. I love how... In the church, there are many smells that we associate mm -hmm. with holy things. And if you go walk into a room with someone else who is Catholic and you smell incense, that is a scent that you know, and it connects, it, it brings back a memory to maybe a past experience in the church. So I just love how it could be people anywhere around the world, and we have these certain yeah, these certain smells that make us think of holy things. Like lilies always make me think of Easter or a funeral. That's something that connects us all together. So it's a really good yeah, answer. Smells. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Amen. Yeah. Um, I am a cradle Catholic, so going to Mass was always very, you know, I, I grew up with it. So when you're coming into a, the church, there is things that you do. You know, you start out standing with music. Then you sit down for the gospel readings, you know, the readings in the gospel. 
then you know there's an up and down movement and music and quiet time you know time like that and when i thought that was just everybody did it that way all churches around the world other faiths and and then when you talk to other people they say what is this with the catholics always up and down and kneeling and this and that and up you know what is all that about but then when i thought about it i just i really like that about the catholic faith and that from church to church to church around the world, if you step into a Catholic church, they're all doing the same, you know, movements too. Songs, maybe not all churches have, you know, the songs that, you know, but you know, the readings are the same, that universality mm-hmm. that um, you were talking about, Mary. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just, I like that, you know, some people maybe think that's quirky. I love how the postures, I love how the postures, postures of the church are intentional about what we're doing. You know, we stand for the gospel. Like, all the readings are important, but we stand for the words of Jesus and the life of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Every part of the Mass is important. So there's parts where we stand, parts where we're sitting but attentive. But where we kneel is the moment where we humble ourselves before God, right? And I love that. That's just a, that's a powerful. I love that how, like, each of us picks something different, but it's all related. Sights and smells, sounds, uh, or postures, and, 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 and the sounds of, like, you know, music and and prayer. So it's like how we employ our senses into uh, into the uh, into the way that we worship. Right? It's almost like it's intentional. I was going to say, what? it's like God knows that we like using our senses when we worship. Well, that's right. And we come to know God through the senses, which is actually a really beautiful transition and segue into the sacraments, right? Because the, the definition of a sacrament from the catechism is an outward sign instituted by grace, uh, instituted by Christ to give grace. And I love the way that we use that phrase, right? Outward sign. The idea is... Is, is that we use things that your mind and my mind and our minds can comprehend and actually even enjoy, right? We, we enjoy food and celebration. Why is it that when we, when we want to go on a vacation, one of the most popular places to go is the beach, mm-hmm. right? For sun and, 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 and water, right? So the idea of using outward signs that our minds can can take in is a great way that God communicates his love for us. And so um, kind of the theme of our of our day today, really, especially in why we brought um, Anna and Allison on today, is specifically to talk about uh, the church's role and relationship into that first sacrament, right? That the very first time a person encounters the church, and that is the sacrament of baptism. And I think it's amazing because while all Christians recognize that we are redeemed when when we are claimed by Christ, right? And, and, and that looks different for different denominations. But for Catholics, we recognize that we when we listen to what the Lord says at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, when he says, go baptize all, or, you know, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. So we become a disciple when we're baptized. And that baptism comes, you know, from water and the Spirit. And all the elements, uh, and all the beautiful elements are there. And just like Noah speaks for his family and saving them through the water of the flood, uh, and just like uh, Abraham speaks for his uh, community, Moses on the mountain speaks for his community, in the same way each parent 
speaks for their family in promising and pledging that they will share the faith with this with the little ones that are baptized and also the person makes the choice themselves obviously when they go through the RCIA process but when somebody is receiving the sacrament of baptism and are washed of original sin and brought into this uh, this new life through water and the spirit we become members of not only card carrying members of the church but we become <laughs> members of the body of Christ um, and and so in a beautiful way, God is doing something incredible. But in order to sort of navigate that, in order to sort of make sure that all those pieces kind of happen and so that the church can, can properly care for and, and ensure that things are, things are done okay, we have a whole sort of system set up. As a, it's hard to use the word system, but we have a, a process so mm -hmm. that a person who cold calls the church and, and says, I got a baby, um, <laughs> would like some, you know, <laughs> it's, it, you know it, sometimes it's not surprising. Like most people realize that it's more than just a, you know, can I drive by and the priest will come out with a super soaker? No. <laughs> 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 Obviously not what happens. Uh, but there's a way that we sort of welcome people into the church. And so actually that process is a beautiful way of in many ways welcoming families in so actually that's what I want to lead with and ask you Allison and Anna how is it how did you get involved in the first place with a baptism ministry what do you do I should say well um, I'm the baptism coordinator here at Nativity and you'll see that on the bulletin. My name is Anna. Um, also, we have a website, too, that you'll see me at the end of the website. But what I do is um, help parents um, when they call or they email me to navigate the process of getting the paperwork done for the baptism. So um, we just want them to know that we are their nativity family and parishioners here would um, call or you know, email or look at the website and know that there's someone there on the other side of whatever communication that's going to help them to understand the, the, the way that, you know, baptisms work here at Nativity. And usually it's similar to other churches, you know, with an application that they need to fill out. We say in our website too, you know, really contemplate and think about your godparents, choosing the godparents because they have requirements. And I think some people don't realize that, you know, they have all their sacraments. Um, they're choosing a person who can spiritually help their children. It's not just someone that they think of, oh, do I, you know, pick someone who, if I die, they can take over legal guardianship. It's not really that. It's more the spiritual, spiritual nature because we want to really have someone that can kind of pray for our ch the children, their godchildren, and help them in their faith. So that, another part of it, um, so they need certificates of eligibility. And people say, what is that? And so <laughs> I kind of guide them onto that. You know, it's in our website, too, that these are documents that the godparents would get from their church where they belong. If they're at Nativity, then that, you know, we could look them up. But so they need the application. You know, I'm just going through the paperwork yeah, now. It sounds it, kind yeah. of like, uh, you know, there's much more to baptism than this paperwork. But we get it all lined up so that when the time comes, they choose, a, you know, a date, that they'll kind of, you know, know the process a little bit. I think it's so important. I think sometimes people get the idea that, like, oh, the church has all these rules, but there's an intentionality behind the rules, right? The reason we ask for certificates of eligibility is we want to be sure that the person you've chosen as a godparent is going to be a good model of faith. 
Um, and getting the application helps us know who it is, especially because you, you guys write up the certificates as well. Mm-hmm. And so when they get that certificate that says, you know, I was baptized on such and such a day by so-and-so, that it's a, really a, a, a document not just, you know, arbitrarily or coldly created, but actually made with love to, as a small little way of gift, a small memento, a gift to the person. Mm-hmm. And it's also more father than just handing them, you know, a packet of paper. You know, we have a whole process, right, Allison? Mm -hmm. We have we have a whole process where we we walk them through the baptism prep, right? Right. And I've only been involved with this for the past year, really. My role at the parish has been to work with uh, young adults, college students, and also young families. And because we have a young family ministry, Father Bob, our pastor, felt that baptism prep would fit really well under that. So I'm only just getting to know a lot of the families through this baptism prep process. But that's for families who are having their first child baptized. So Anna didn't even speak highly enough about how wonderful she is in answering all the questions that people have, because it is a new process. Just like when a family welcomes a baby, you're learning how to care for this little life for the first time. They're also learning how to welcome that child into the church for the first time. So we do have a baptism prep session that we have with the families, and I get to work with our awesome teaching couple that does that, who are parents themselves. So it's been really interesting to get to know this process the past year. What are some of the things that you have to cover in the baptism class? So we go through a lot of things. We are really intentional that it's not a class because class can sound boring. (laughs) We call it baptism prep. And we do a lot of conversations about, you know, where are the parents in their faith life? I think some people might feel kind of guilty, like, oh, well, I'm not really going to church, but I want my child to be baptized. So we want them to know it's never too late for you as parents to dive into your faith. So we try to have those conversations. How are you as parents growing in your faith so that you can pass it on to your child? Um, so we, we try to incorporate that as well as going over, as Anna mentioned, a lot of the paperwork, the requirements that the church asks of godparents. So we cover a lot, but we really really do try to also focus on, as I mentioned, the, the family's personal experience of God, too. And I think it's really beautiful how we, we make, even though it sounds like a little bit of a daunting process, mm-hmm. but we, we really, you all really do make it very, very joyful. Um, I know the couple, are we allowed to name them? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Shout out to Catherine Lorenzo. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> wonderful. They're an awesome young couple. They have two little girls right now. And um, yeah, they they lead the, the baptism prep. They do. And I love that because they are young parents themselves. So when we got on these calls, we're doing it virtually currently. And you can see there's other parents trying to put a child down to nap or they got to change the diaper. And so Catherine and Lorenzo can say, we get it. We know what that's like. You know, we've been in your shoes. And so it makes it feel very relatable. Mm, Well, that's really good. I know that in other, um, in some of the other parishes that I've been at, um, I've been in those baptism classes. I feel like the virtual actually probably is a benefit in that case for the new families. Because I can't tell you the number of times where the couple has either had to figure out how to arrange a babysitter. Often for the first time, it might be the first time they've had to get a babysitter. Or they bring the, they're like, can I bring the child here? And you're like, of Mm -hmm. course, you bring them here. But then they're all nervous because... Because, you know, if it's a fussy baby and, you know, it, it can be a little bit difficult sometimes uh, for them. So right. that, it's absolutely a, a, yeah, a, a labor huge of love. benefit. So. Mm-hmm. Father, maybe you can give us just a quick synopsis of the baptism day. 
Oh, yeah. I think one of the things that's always kind of hard is that, you know, there's, there's not like a rehearsal for baptism. You just kind of show up. And if you've been to a baptism before, you're like, cool, I have an idea of what happens. But most of the time, you don't really necessarily know unless you've really studied it. But we usually use four elements. The secret, uh, the secret is that there's four elements. We use water, we use a white garment, we use uh, fire, uh, and we use oil. Uh, that those four external symbols um, are are the images that we use to help describe what's happening in in the baptism. So, kind of walking through it, the first thing is is that you you make a, a profession of faith. Um, really, you have to even because baptism itself, like all the sacraments, is a free and voluntary choice. The first, the very first question the priest asks: What name have you given your child, and what do you ask of God's church? So it's the family presenting the child to say, we would like to have our child baptized. So it's not the church saying, all right, get over here. We've got something for you. <laughs> In the same way that like, um, uh, like the priest will ask the wedding couple, um, or, you know, um, what they what they would like. Are they ready to get married? And they say mm -hmm. three I do's before they even say the vows to each other. Mm -hmm. Right. So the you always ask first. <laughs> right. So it's a, a moment of freedom. Uh, and then there's a there's a you know, we rooted in scripture. So there's usually some some scripture readings, maybe a little homily uh, of some sorts. You ask the angels and saints in heaven to pray for this for the little one. Uh, and then you prepare them for baptism. And traditionally in the church, we use oil twice. The first oil is an oil of exorcism, and it's nothing like the movies. Um, <laughs> but in the, in, in the reality, one of the beauties of one of the beautiful elements of the church is is that um, when we pray and bless something, the first thing we do is spiritually prepare it, and so that's that's an exorcism. It's a minor exorcism to prepare something for a blessing, and then to bestow the blessing. Right, so the first oil is an oil of exorcism. You lay your hands on the child and you're praying to set this child free from original sin. Then you use the water, which is obviously an image of washing, but it doesn't just give, it's not just a symbol of washing. It actually does the washing. The water is the essential element of baptism. So the water washes the child of original sin. Um, and then you anoint the child with a second kind of oil, not an oil so much of cleansing, but an oil of sanctification. We call it sacred chrism. Uh, it's oil mixed with balsam. So it has like extra spices and stuff in it. Mm -hmm. So it smells really good. Uh, we That's were talking one of about, those smells, yeah. Father. <laughs> Such a good smell. <laughs> so we were talking about that earlier when you said that i was like "Ooh, that's a good one i'm gonna file that one away um and then we clothe them in the white garment and the white garment is that symbol of their new life in christ and we ask them with their we ask their parents to help them bring that white garment unstained into the life of heaven we see that white garment later it's the white garment you wear at first communion it's the white garment you wear on a wedding day it's the white garment a priest wears underneath of whatever color he was wearing in the liturgical season um he wears that white garment underneath as a reminder of his baptism and um at our funerals you're always uh covering the casket with a white garment to remind us yeah, of our right. baptism it's your baptism so we die with christ we look forward to rising with him so in physical death we look forward to eternal life with him. So that white garment that happened that's given to the baby at their baptism is something that continues on. And then the fourth image is the image of the um, 
fire is the image of the candle, the baptismal candle. It's the first thing that enters the church on Easter Sunday. Uh, the night before, all the lights are out, everything is dark. Um, the you, you begin with nothing, right? And then the lights come on, or I should say you light a fire outside, bless the candle, bring the candle in, and then you light all the candles in the church from the candle, what we call the Paschal candle, the Easter candle. Well, every baby and every person who receives baptism this year receives the light from the light that comes from East, that Easter joy. So mm -hmm. it connects, it's the fire that connects us to the God's presence in his church. God is with his people, God is with the baby. So mm -hmm. uh, four little images. And so that's kind of what baptism like goes through. There's a rejection, there's a, a creed or a rejection of Satan and a, a, a profession of faith. Um, there's a number of little questions that the parents and godparents affirm that they, you know, that they're there to support each other. They understand what they're undertaking, etc. But for the most part, readings into those symbols. And the, the essential element is that water, um, saying that the priest has to use water and he has to say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If he says anything else, it does mm. not count as a baptism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how, uh, how baptism, there, there's so much symbolism of baptism kind of in our everyday lives as Catholic. Isn't it true, Father, that the holy water that you bless yourself with is supposed to remind you of your baptism as you enter and leave mm -hmm. a church? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Actually, we call those things, those objects in the church that refer us back to the sacraments. We call those sacramentals. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, holy water. Water, like if you have holy water in the church, holy water in your home, mm -hmm. right? It's not just because you're superstitious and trying to, oh. ooh, <laughs> if I get more holy water on this thing, it'll be extra holy. It's just, it's a reminder. It calls to mind your baptism that you were transformed. It's a great mm -hmm. reminder when we enter the church about why we're there. Mm -hmm. Right. I didn't mention this with the baptism prep what we go over, but we do go over all of the, the particulars of what happens the baptism day. And it's kind of cool too, because I think for many of us, the last baptism we attended was our own. And especially oh, yeah. if you're baptized as a baby, you miss all of these symbols and what it actually means. And, you know, there are connections to the Old Testament. And so when Anna and I have had so many conversations about baptism and baptism prep, of course, the paperwork has to be there. It's important. The requirements have to be there. But how can we just help people really enter into this as something really special that's exciting? You know, we try to keep all of that in mind. Yeah, when um, a person first calls and says, you know, I've had a baby, um, you know, I really don't know this or that. And, you know, some of the questions actually, Father, I was going to ask you, one question they ask is, how old is the baby, should the baby be for getting baptized? Um, I would say as soon as possible in general. I mean, typically it'll take about a month to kind of plan it anyway. That usually takes a couple of months, but I think sometimes people will in general wait because they think that the baby has to be um, of a certain age, but there's no, there's no requirement for that. Um, it has to be before the age of seven. That's right. The key. Oh, that's that's a good yeah. thing, too. Yeah. A lot of people come in and they have a couple of children that they said, oh, you know, I think I need to get my children baptized. And they've waited and they feel a little... Un, you know, sure. And then they call and I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. But I do tell them that, yeah, if they've reached the age of seven, then they go into the religious education program. Mm -hmm. And yes, they will get baptized. Uh, mm -hmm. But <laughs> since they're older, like the age of reason, they can have a little bit more education. They will understand it. And they go to religious education for that. Yeah. 
And we say that by the age of seven, young people, while young people are not certainly mature at seven to make big adult decisions and things, they still start to recognize, usually by the age of seven, almost everybody has gotten it, where they recognize things like consequences for their actions, both good and bad. Uh, and they can also start to think more abstractly. So we can recognize that with communion, there's something, uh, there's something different. It looks like bread and it tastes mm-hmm. like wine, mm-hmm. but we know our faith tells us that there's something underneath of it, right? Mm-hmm. So by the age of seven, you know, kids start to develop that abstract thought and that, that reason. They can start kind of putting two and two together. And so uh, that's the age where we want to be able to instruct them and go through First Communion and First Confession. So um, so baptism before the age of seven, no problem. But otherwise, they're going to need to learn a little bit about making that decision themselves and being able to enter into baptism. Yeah. And speaking of kind of further education and how you can kind of continue to learn and grow and deepen your faith, Allison, what opportunities do we have for parishioners, for parents, especially after their their child is baptized? Love that question <laughs> because I I think about the number of parents that come through and have baptisms at any parish, but especially a large parish like Nativity. And they are just kind of an untapped community that no one is really reaching out to a lot of times, especially if their kids aren't school age yet. You know, you don't have a school community. You don't have all the clubs and sports that they're doing. So I think, first of all, it's a benefit to us to be able to invite them in and say, you are part of our parish now. You don't have to wait until you sign your child up for something when they're older. My dream is for all young parents to have another young Catholic friend that also has kids so they can come to mass together. I think the first thing that parents can and really should do after baptism is start coming to mass as a family. Um, But I also know because I have a sister with young kids, I have a lot of friends with young kids, that can be the hardest thing to do because what happens when your child makes noise? You feel like everyone is staring at you. So my hope is that people have someone to come to mass with or to at least talk about those things. You know, how do you come to mass with your child or how do you talk to your spouse about God? And one way they can do that through our parish is through our young family ministry. So that's specifically for people in that age range. And that's the reason why we started this ministry is to help bring people in no matter how old their child is, newborn to elementary. So that's one thing they could do. Of course, go to mass first. I think that's Wonderful first thing. You got a thumbs um, up from father. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you if you need a buddy, because I do think, you know, we grow in, in our faith in community. So you, anyone listening to this, if you have a young, a young child, you're welcome to come check out our young family ministry. Um, but also our parish has so many other great ministries. If maybe one spouse is supportive of the baptism but isn't Catholic, come check out RCIA and maybe you can learn a little bit more about your faith. Um, I've also had conversations with friends also that have are you know are in those first few weeks after having a baby and I know that's not the time in your life probably when you want to be learning a lot of things you're just trying to survive and get along <laughs> but the night. it's very true exactly but maybe that's a great time to just try to include God into your day so maybe you say the first five minutes after your baby finally takes that first nap you read the gospel for the day just like something small maybe you and your spouse keep your keep each other accountable so there's lots of little things that you can do I think just pick one thing and start with that Isn't that amazing that you can foster your child's prayer life by building your own? And what you model in your own life is what your young ones, your little ones, will grow into. 
I mean, it seems pretty self-explanatory, mm-hmm. but how many times have you found somebody who's not only asking about getting their child baptized, but also asking other questions about how to even get involved and where is your church and right. things like that? You know, and I think society today is um, asking us to be so independent. You know, I can do it on my own. You know, I don't need anybody. I can go and do and whatever. But what's so beautiful about the church, the Catholic church, is it once to like wrap its arms around. We are a family, a church mm-hmm. family. So when you come to Nativity, when we have baptisms, it's a group baptism. You're with the other members of your Nativity family, and you're kind of coming together. You're in this, you know, together. You're not in it alone. So when you're, you know, like uh, Allison said about the family ministry, the young family ministries, this is part of your family too, your God family, and God's there for you, and he's He's re- ready to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. And I should also I'll mention we have a marriage enrichment ministry as well. So as you said, Father, when you grow in your own faith, you, know, you pass it on to your child. I think when, if you and your spouse are modeling that together, that's so beautiful. So um, there's lots of resources available to, to families. And what's nice too about the marriage enrichment ministry is both spouses don't need to be Catholic. Absolutely. Same yeah. thing the, Same thing with, yeah, any of our ministries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah even with baptism, um, both parents don't need to be Catholic. It's just the desire to have your child baptized into the Catholic churches is, is, is where the, the key is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's, uh, what's like one thing that you wish folks would definitely know before showing up. I mean, obviously, you know, when they when they ask you questions at baptism prep, when they ask you questions on the phone, you know, obviously, you know, we're more than happy to answer those and more than happy to walk with them on the journey. But maybe is there something that you kind of wish, like, ah, oh, send this out to the airwaves. Like, let people, mm-hmm. you know, let people know that, oh, this is a great thing for them to do so that they can kind of be ready when they come. One of the things paperwork-wise, it seems like families have a hard time talking to their godparents and getting that certificate of eligibility sure. because they have to get it from the uh, godparents church. And then they, I guess they just don't think about, they have to do it right away. And sometimes it takes a little time. So that's kind of a lag time. And then the parents get anxious about, Oh, well, I don't have it yet. I don't have it yet, but I want this date for the baptism. And then that gets a little bit, you know, I'm sure frustrating for, you know, the parents as well as, you know, getting the schedule down. Um, here at the church. But um, if they could, yeah, think about their godparents and really kind of contact them with that. I know that's the paperwork part of it, and no one likes to hear about the paperwork part, <laughs> but yeah. for, for us to have the baptism scheduled, it's, it is good to have that, you yeah. know, ahead of time. I think it's important. I think sometimes that. we forget. Sometimes we forget that, like, when you're a member of the parish, like, you're always welcome. But there's also a kind of a more formal way, like when you register at the parish, to really say, no, this is the community I'm planting my roots in, I'm tithing to this parish, I'd like information from this parish, and you really kind of um, help connect yourself to the parish. And so the parish also knows you better. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, obviously, the parish is made up of the people, which is important, (laughs) obviously. Mm -hmm. We're not just made with bricks and stones. (laughs) But sometimes from the... From the church's perspective, sometimes it's a little hard to keep track of everybody. And so having the having that paperwork and the database is important for us. But I think sometimes people move around a lot. They change jobs a lot. Um, sometimes they're still on their parents uh, way back when they were kids. And so they didn't necessarily know 
that they should kind of register in a parish and kind of put those roots down and so that the parish knows them and they know the parish. Mm -hmm. So when they look for their eligibility certificate, sometimes it's a little harder to navigate because they haven't put down roots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. Yeah, so we in uh, Nativity, when a child reaches 18 even, they can register as an adult and away from their parents' registration. They still could be even living at home, but they are they are welcome to register on their own. Yeah, yeah and that process helps us help you as mm -hmm. the listener. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I also wish, can I add my what I wish for, please, people yeah. knew? I wish that people knew how fun it can be to continue celebrating the baptism even after the day. Um, my mom was awesome about this. I We all knew in my family our baptism anniversaries because we had cake and we lit the <laughs> baptism candle every year. So what kid doesn't want to have some cake and be celebrated? So I think it's just a really great opportunity for families. If you're even trying to figure out how do I bring faith traditions into my home, attach a dessert to it and <laughs> make them feel special. A balloon and would help too, right? Yeah, oh, I think that's great. Yes. Mm. So that's, that's one thing I wish people would need to. It's, it would know. It's, it's a, another way to celebrate within your family. You can bring faith things into it. Attach a dessert would be a great podcast title yeah. as well. I like that. Attach, Attach a dessert. Attach a dessert. <laughs> our, friends, we're going to have a spinoff podcast. We have the Nativity podcast, and then yeah. we have Attach a Dessert, where we talk about all of our favorite sweets, episode <laughs> to episode, new sweets. Yeah. So, no, I think, isn't it amazing? One of the great things about being, being Catholic is you can celebrate your birthday, your baptism day, and your saint's feast day. You get yeah. like oh, yeah. a three for Multiple you know? desserts. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Multiple desserts. We like to celebrate in this faith. Yeah. And in this parish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know another thing I don't think people realize when they, um, they're members of the, the parish here and they have their child baptized, that even if they leave the parish, this is their, um, when they baptize here, this mm -hmm. is the church of register. This is where all the sacraments will be sent to. So, for instance... Um, we will put their names in a baptism register book, and then if they move or stay here, it doesn't matter, but if they move, the church is required to send their next sacrament. Say, for instance, First Holy Communion is at St. Bernadette's. St. Bernadette's will send us the sacrament record here, and we'll note it in their baptism book. So we, ha we will have all the, all the sacraments all the right here registered at their church. At the church of, it's always their home. It's mm -hmm. so, yeah, always there. their home. It, it's comforting to know too. Like, I mean, we've got the records for everybody who's been baptized in this church since it was founded. Yep, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. And it says something, too, about parishes that are much older than ours, right? Parishes that go back. You can look up, in some cases, you can look up your the sacramental records of your ancestors. It's a, for Catholics, it's a good way to do some genealogical research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we keep those too. books very safe, and we put them in a safe. <laughs> yeah, a fireproof safe. And it's safe. locked, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Uh, it's very important for me as a priest when we're preparing people for marriage because one of the things we do is we ask for their baptismal record first to show that since they're baptized, then they receive the sacrament of marriage in the church. It's a sacramental marriage, right? Because it's a marriage rooted in their baptism, uh, both rooted in Jesus Christ. Uh, but if they're, if they're baptized, then we can go to their parish of record, get their baptismal record, the updated one, and see if they've gotten married before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a way of establishing, well, maybe Sleeping. they're actually free to get married. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So, and mine actually, since I got all my sacraments at my home parish in Holy at Holy Family in, oh. in Dale City, um, mine is very full. It has a little blank where it says marriage, but it does have for holy orders. It has uh, has my name there. So I got you know. So it tells special. everybody where mm-hmm. I'm special. That's awesome. But yeah, a fascinating little, little bit of trivia. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I've got one question, and this is like our, this is the question we ask everybody in the parish because, um, because when you're Catholic, there's a, there's a thing, there's a thing we do in the church, and everybody does it. So we've been asking all of our parishioners, all the people who've been coming on our podcast. So our question for you. Where do you sit in the church? <laughs> what's, your, what's, what's, what's your seat? <laughs> Everyone does a little chuckle afterwards. So do you want to go first, Anna? Sure. I mix it up. Oh. I hop. Sometimes I <laughs> sometimes it's over by the candles if it's cold mm-hmm. day, <laughs> but um, yeah, I like to get a little different perspective. Sometimes I you know just mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you I'm ever kind. find yourself back to like a usual one? I guess I tend to linger over by the music, so on the right side. But every once in a while, I go over to the left just to see what's going on over there. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes I get brave and go all the way up to the front. <laughs> so brave. And you do get a different perspective in mm-hmm. the front. It is kind of neat because you can actually see so much mm-hmm. better. So it is kind of fun. So you have to oh, play like, where is Waldo when you're at mass? And Anna's there, <laughs> yeah. father. Be like, where is she? <laughs> where is she today? I'm a little bit like that if I'm attending mass with my family because I just want to sit with them. I don't, I don't really care where we are. I love sitting with my niece and nephew. And um, but if I'm just coming by myself, it's always back left, right next to St. Jude in the very back. And I thought it was St. Joseph for many years oh, until I realized right. it was St. Jude. I didn't know it was St. Jude. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so I love what I love about sitting there is my really good friend always comes and sits right next to me there. So that's our pew. If someone takes it, that's fine, but we just love to sit in that area of the church. You are way more gracious than so many other people. I try to be, but can I, I have to tell you this. So I mentioned I know my baptism anniversary. It's October 28th. Just found out it's the uh, feast day of St. Jude, and I sit next to St. Jude at Mass. You've been hanging out St. Jude with him and Jen. I sit day, next to Mass. You had no idea. Yeah, isn't that cool? That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Ladies, we are so blessed to have you on our show. It has been an absolute joy. How can folks who want to get involved in young family ministry, baptism prep, or if they have a baby that would like to get baptized, what should they do? How do they get a hold of you? They can go to the parish website, nativityburke.org, and we have uh, some tabs on the front. So if they go to sacraments, Baptism is right there, and Baptism Prep has a section. And then we have uh, a tab called Youth and Family, and they can click that and check out Young Family Ministry. So that's one way you can do it at home. doesn't require you to come here. doesn't require you to call anybody. You can just look. Or you can call and speak to the wonderful Anna Marie. <laughs> what would I'm you say, here Anna? for you to call, too. Yeah, I'm, I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And anyone who picks up the phone, though, will be able mm-hmm. to answer some questions. Or refer you to me. But, um, yeah, um, I don't mind emails. My email is on that site as well. And uh, and both of you are just more than happy to start the process and walk them through. Absolutely, yeah. And don't forget to register. Yeah. Yeah. Register. Yeah. 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 We knew it was coming. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mary, do you have any shout-outs? 
Oh, can I shout out your pew buddy? Oh, yes. Oh, give a nice oh. shout out to Jennifer Oliveira. Yes, Jen. <laughs> You're wonderful. Best friend, Jen. <laughs> what a great nickname. Yeah. Best friend, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. She's fantastic. Shout out to Father Bob Selinski, our yes. all-star. Always. Father Bob. Our all-star pastor. He's, a, he's amazing and uh, and brought all four of us together. So this is, this is pretty cool. That's right. And a special shout out to our bishop. Just a couple weeks ago, we had our diocesan pilgrimage and he had some very wonderful words bringing everybody together and mm-hmm. uh, always grateful to be able to pray with our chief shepherd so amen all right well friends it has been an absolute joy being with you we've got more um we've got more podcasts coming up for the rest of the season we are grateful for you and grateful for everything you are in our prayers and please continue to pray for us thank you and god bless you